Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. watch night at the roxbury i did <laughs> uh welcome back to another episode of you made me watch i am mike bobbitt and i'm allison bobbitt every week we make each other watch a movie that we've never seen before mm-hmm. and this week it was allison's turn to get me to watch a movie and i managed to put off watching dumb and dumber <laughs> for at least two more weeks yes to watch disco dumb and dumber <laughs> No, it's not Disco Dumb and Dumber. Nightclub Dumb and Dumber. I don't know. I will say that if Dumb and Dumber is half as charming as this, Mm -hmm. it'll be okay. Okay. I ended up liking this. Oh, good. I thought you would think it was okay. And the Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan years of SNL, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. is not a period where I was watching SNL. So I didn't really have the frame of reference of knowing the sketch Mm -hmm. other than every gag that was in the opening sequence of this movie. I was like, so that's all the sketch was, right? Yeah. 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 They just kind of like cover it really quick in the beginning and then like during the opening credits and then the movie kind of. Did they do anything else in the sketches? Did they have names in the sketches? You know what? I don't even think it got that far. They might have been Mike. They might have been Steve and Doug, but like they didn't have last names or anything like that. This reunites Dan Hedaya and Chaz Palminteri from Usual Suspects. It's true. It does. (laughs) You know what I like about this more than Usual Suspects? What? No Kevin Spacey. (laughs) Oh. And no Brian Singer. Mm -hmm. I don't think I like Usual Suspects very much. It's one of those movies that I feel like if you think about for a minute and a half, you realize it's not nearly as clever as people think it is. I think people liked the twist at the end yeah but but it's not like it's not like a groundbreaking twist but it's like it's a surprise you're like oh holy shit you know yeah but it's like once you see it it's like okay yeah (laughs) it's kind of like sixth sense in that in that way where once you know the twist you're like eh, you know it's only good the first time sort of thing with the exception being that the sixth sense is really interesting to still watch when you know what the twist is well the difference between usual suspects and the sixth sense is you can watch the sixth sense a second time and realize that it was there the whole time yeah versus in usual suspects where nothing in the movie matters mm-hmm. because it's all a lie from kaiser Soze. yeah that's true there's no rewatchability in usual suspects like there is you can watch 
the six cents a second time yeah and then be fine i still watch it if i see it on like oh, tv yeah. or whatever it's i'm a like good movie. oh it's like a good it. flick anyway i'm gonna see how many times i can derail you from it. talking about night at the roxbury <sighs> but i really okay so this movie and you have a headache so it's gonna be very <sighs> easy please to, don't uh, oh my god so i saw this movie in what year did it come out 98 so this movie came out when i was like a freshman in high school okay and i saw it in the theater because i would watch the sketch on snl and thought it was hilarious which is (laughs) ridiculous and then when it came out on video my boyfriend at the time one of his friends worked at a grocery store and we were walking like we had driven his friend to work that day and then we were just walking around he worked at a kroger you know how kroger used to have like the bargain bins of like vhs's right now i'm trying to remember if you told me this story before on this podcast or on movies for kids and i realized you tell this story in the first or second episode of this podcast oh do i really yeah okay should i just not say it then listeners welcome to my life (laughs) you know what you do this too so don't even start i just don't have that many stories because i'm not that interesting oh ow (laughs) martyr guilt trip i just don't have like i just don't have a lot of stories i love you so much i would watch this movie over and like it was i had i don't know probably a dozen movies that i would watch over and over and over again which i realize is shocking to you <laughs> right but this was one of them uh that i would watch all the time this has a good cast has a great cast i did not recognize jennifer coolidge at the beginning nope. as the hottie cop as she's credited because she's not doing the jennifer coolidge voice she's just doing her regular voice will ferrell i guess met his wife vivica Pollen. Yes. On this? On this movie, yes. She was the Porsche girl. I don't remember the It's Porsche in the girl. beginning when they're driving, I think. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, she still acts a lot, but this is the only movie that they were in together. Mm-hmm. Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco is amazing in this. Who, you know, you think he's probably just going to have a cameo or whatever, but is actually kind of like a fantastic, like supporting character in this it movie. It almost bums me out that his career really tanked after 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Because clearly with this movie, he has a sense of humor about himself. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he's great. Yeah. He's super funny about himself in it. And also, like, really thoughtful in the scene that he has with the dad at the end. Yeah, he delivers his material well. Yeah. I guess if you're Richard Grieco, it's probably hard to not be Richard Grieco and stuff. Yeah. Like, he still does acting now but it's Mm -hmm. nothing that nothing really that you'd be like oh my god it's a lot of like straight to on demand yeah michael clark duncan is the bouncer as michael big Big mike Mike. duncan yeah like that's how he's billed in the credits is michael is it mike big mike or michael i thought it was michael big mike i think you're right it's michael big mike duncan which is so funny and he ended up doing the green mile the next year that's so crazy which was his big breakout yeah that's so crazy and he's pretty funny as the bouncer oh he was always great he's it's a shame that he's gone i know it is really sad i liked him and everything he was in but i liked him when they're trying to bribe him to get into the nightclub and they're just giving him like five dollars like change a couple of ones and he just flips the clipboard over and then taps it (laughs) i love that he 
taps it. <laughs> it's so funny. There were a lot of nice little subtle jokes that I think in a less confident movie, they would have beat you over the head with, look what we're doing here. Like when they bring out the planners mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell takes his out of the package. Yeah. I'm like, that was pretty funny. Yeah. And they don't really go overboard, you know, having him yeah. struggle with it for a minute and a half. Yeah, no, he just takes it out of the bag and then takes it out of the package really fast. And he's like, yeah, I'm all clear. So just like a quick overview of what the movie is, is it's characters from SNL, the two club guys, and um, they they work in their dad's plant store and basically what they want to do is open their own club someday. So it's kind of about that struggle. They still live with their parents, but they're, they're rich kids and they are just trying to figure out their own way, but their dad just wants them to work in the plant store and marry have Steve played by Will Ferrell marry the girl who works in this in the store next to them. They did remind me of everything I hate about Los Angeles though. <laughs> the phoniness and yeah. the long lines when we drive past a club and see the huge lines oh, yeah. of people waiting to get in. Yeah. Ugh. And then um Alicia Donovan and um Gigi Rice play a couple of club girls who see them they finally get into the Roxbury after after Richard Grieco rear-ends them, and uh, he gets them in. Here is a little bit of trivia, hmm. small world trivia. Hmm. One of Michael Clark Duncan's early roles was playing a bouncer on Married with Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember Jefferson Darcy? Yeah. Uh, Ted McGinley played him. His wife is Gigi Rice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that? wow. Yeah. That's funny. Gigi Rice and Alicia Donovan are just a couple of club girls looking to, like, you know, hook up with rich guys. When Richard Grieco brings the Butabi brothers in, they sit down with the owner and they're sitting at a table with him. And then Richard Grieco like pieces out because he actually has somewhere else to be. So the girls see them and they're like, ooh, like let's hook up with them. And that was the grossest part for me was just seeing two girls just like glomming on to oh, yeah. guys that they think are rich and will, you know, just. The phoniness of that mm-hmm. whole scene is just reeking of Los Angeles. Yes. I don't think this says anything about Night at the Roxbury, but Chaz Palminteri, who played the owner of the Roxbury, Mm -hmm. uh, Zadir, is uncredited in this movie. I don't know if you noticed that at the end. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. And do you know what his second credit is? What? You are the last dragon. Oh, my God. You possess the power of the glow. No. Barry Gordy's last dragon. He plays like thug number two. (laughs) Of course he does. He was pretty funny in this. I don't know that I ever really saw Chaz Palminteri Mm -mm. or really Dan Hedaya in straight up comedic roles. I'm sure they were both happy that um, they weren't playing gangsters or cops. Probably. Well, Dan Hedaya is also in Clueless. Oh, okay. He's the dad in Clueless. Which is what um, the one girl is in Clueless Yeah, Alicia as well. Donovan is yeah. also in Clueless. That's kind of neat that a lot of people yeah. are reunited for this. And actually, um, there's a woman in the flower shop, who the one who starts who's buying the flowers and mm-hmm. they both start crying when Steve is like, they'll never die. They'll never right, tell you. Yeah. yeah. She plays the teacher in Clueless. Oh yeah. Chris Catan's dad is one of the uh, shoppers in the flower shop. Oh, as for well, real? Too. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I think his name was Kip King mm-hmm. and he was an actor. Oh, wow. 
Oh. He died, I think, in 2010. Oh, that's too bad. But uh, yeah, he was like a comedic actor. I, I didn't know that Chris Kattan came from a show business family. I didn't either, actually. I just think it's a fun, dumb movie. Like I enjoyed it a whole lot more than I thought I would. I kind of thought you would think it was okay when you were asking like which movie we should watch. I was like, let's watch Night at the Roxbury, just because I felt like you would kind of enjoy it. <laughs> After the shit day we have, yeah, we had literally. I literally cleaned up two months of two months of shit. shit water. We had to fix my mother in law's toilet today, um, and so Mike had to take the toilet up out of the ground. And so the three ugh. that are on the table for me right now, yeah. for you to make me watch, were uh, Night at the Roxbury, Dumb and Dumber, and Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point in time, I said, "Well, let's do Citizen Kane," mostly because I'm trying to. Put Put off Dumb and Dumber as much as I possible. Know. And you were like, no, let, let's go for something fun today. And I think you chose very well. Okay, good. It's a fun movie, I think. Um, and I still really enjoyed watching it. Like, it's certainly dated because, like, Alicia Donovan, like, has a pager. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, you know, their cell phones are... The giant bricks. The giant... But well, I think that was a joke. That was a joke, Because those even. were, like, super 80s. But they had, like, flip phones. They had, like, the Nextel phones, I think, were the ones that they had that their dad took away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Kattan, man, that guy has all the teeth. I forgot, like, what a huge smile he has. You know, he's got a, like, Joker smile almost. He's got such a big smile. So during this, Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell got into a giant fight. Oh, no. And they didn't speak again until they went back to work on SNL. Oh, shit. I guess Chris Kattan kept calling Will Ferrell to straighten it out. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Will Ferrell wouldn't answer, and then uh, when they finally talked to each other, Will Ferrell just kind of went up to him and said, so uh, I got all your messages, but I didn't call you back because I didn't want to talk to you. Oh, my God. And did you notice that the dance number that they do with the two girls in the club? Is yeah. This, you did notice that dance number where it's well, from? I, I, no, I didn't notice what it's from. I noticed the dance number. Though. It's from one of your favorite movies. My Blue Heaven. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're right. Isn't that neat? Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. It's the exact same choreography. I did not notice that. Yeah. I really like Molly Shannon, too. Molly Shannon is really funny in this, and she's kind of like sort of the villain-ish. Yeah. Not really villain, but like, I guess, antagonist in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the... Yeah, there isn't really a villain. It's, I mean... Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn, I guess. Is is the villain. But I mean, even he's like not really like super villainy. He's just like, yeah, Mr. Zadir doesn't know who you are. He was drunk last night and just like gets him kicked out of the because Mr. Zadir is looking for them, you know, so that they can actually do the nightclub thing. And Colin Quinn hates them because of them. He had to drive around finding whippets for everyone at the party till 4 a.m. So it's like not really a... All he does is get them kicked out of the office and then says, like, I don't know where they are, Mr. Zadir. I can't find them. And that's, like, it. But um, Molly Shannon is kind of, is sort of an antagonist. Like, she's... Yeah. So she's the daughter of the business that's next door to the plant shop. The light bulb the shop. The light bulb shop. The pl- the lamp store that 
Mr. Batabi wants Steve to marry. Which is really funny because she's like very aggressive initially where she's like, Steve, I'll do anything. Like, I'd love to go out. I think it'd be really fun. And then the second they get together, she's like, okay, so let's get down to business. We're going to merge these stores. We're going to be better than Ikea. (laughs) Like, she's really (laughs) funny. What I really like about this from a strictly technical writer point of view Mm -hmm. is that it does not follow the typical beats. Mm -hmm. You know, most movies, you kind of start to know to the minute what's going to happen. And with this, I felt like the conflict of Colin Quinn saying that Zadir didn't want to have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Where normally in a, a movie, you would introduce the conflict about 20 minutes in. Mm-hmm. They did that so much later. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> that conflict kind of completely goes away. Yeah, there's a there's a completely different conflict just between the two brothers. Right. You know, they did have the the typical second act of things get bad, things get worse. Yeah. Then even worse. Worse, yeah. That all happened. uh, It all happened pretty quickly, though. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, spread out where things get bad and then, like, some stuff happens and then things get bad, even worse. It definitely was not a a formulaic movie, Mm -mm. which really surprises me because it's a movie based on really a one-joke sketch. Yeah, the fact that they made a movie out of this is pretty impressive. And this is definitely one of those lesser-known SNL movies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a Wayne's World. It's not... Wayne's World's the only one I can think of. <laughs> Did you see how I was being quiet? So yeah. Try to pull another Well, the one? only other one I could think of was It's Pat, and like that wasn't a good one either. <laughs> Superstar. Oh, yeah, Superstar. That was a good Coneheads. One. Oh, I liked Coneheads. MacGruber. I didn't see MacGruber. You never saw MacGruber? No, I never saw MacGruber. Oh, good. I can make you watch a movie that you're <laughs> going to enjoy. Okay, that'll be good. I didn't like Superstar that much. I thought it worked better as a sketch. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a lot funnier as a sketch. I mean, the movie wasn't bad, but I it wasn't my favorite. As much as I like the MacGruber movie, mm-hmm. I st- still have not gone back to watch any MacGruber sketches. Because that was a, an it was a sketch, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know anything about it at all. And because it's done mm-hmm. like such an action movie, I can't even imagine MacGruber as a sketch. Yeah, I guess I could kind of see that. That sketch is based off an idea that is essentially like more long form. So I think after we watch MacGruber, I'll have to watch the sketches. Well, you don't need to go back and watch Night at the Roxbury sketches. Oh, the Blues Brothers. That's probably the oh, biggest. Oh, that is SNL probably movie. the biggest one, yeah. yeah. It's it's not a super popular SNL movie, but it's one that I always really liked and Yeah, I'm I'm definitely glad that I watched it. Yeah, and it's a great cast. Like I think everybody's really funny in it. I feel like they're not beating you over the head with the jokes. Mm-mm. And the joke from SNL, which is basically just two guys like <laughs> assaulting women on the dance floor essentially. Yeah. Because they're just really aggressive dancers and they can't, you know, they're just trying to find ladies. They don't even really do that all that much. I mean, they stop, they'll they'll stop like when a woman walks by and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, <laughs> but it's much more about the relationship of the two brothers than it is about that. Do they talk in the SNL sketches at all or is it just a dancing physical comedy? No, they talk a little bit. Okay. Um, the thing where they were like, is it you? Is it him? Is it me? Is it, you know? Oh, okay. Like, that's a thing that they do in the sketches. I mean, it it was mostly a physical comedy bit. 
I really like that it was much more about the relationship of the two brothers than it was about them trying to get girls. It was definitely kind of repeated better, though, as stepbrothers. Yes, I would agree with that. That's a good movie. It makes me wonder, too, because I've never really been a Chris Kattan fan. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen Corky Romano, and Mm. I couldn't pull another Chris Kattan movie to save my life. But it makes me wonder if, like, Will Ferrell is such a good member of a comedy team Mm -hmm. that that's why Chris Kattan was good in this. I mean, maybe. I wonder, too, if, like, they had gotten along during the shooting of this, if he would have ended up making movies with John C. Riley, I don't know. I think John C. Riley is a lot better match. Yeah, I think both. they're much more... Because they... I don't know. I feel like they they play off each other in a way that is much more believable. Mm-hmm. Where I think Chris Kattan is very broad and very big with his a lot of his stuff. Like, when you watch the two of them... Like, Chris Kattan's body is, like, all over the place. Like, he's, like... Oh, yeah. You know, like, fl- you know, flipping around. And it's it works because Will Ferrell's such a big guy. So, it's, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem so exaggerated. But I feel like when you're watching Chris Kattan by himself, it looks insane if he's just... If you're just watching him alone. So, I can see where that wouldn't age well. I wonder if John C. Riley ever hosted SNL. I would think so. He's amazing. I think I have an affinity for shitty dance music too because i enjoyed the soundtrack you were i would look over and you were like you were bopping around you were having a good time well i'm just naturally a very musical person that's actually true you are like you're the musical one of the two of us i have no musical abilities at all no but you love like music like you're the one who's like out looking for new music and stuff like that you know what i want more than new music hmm. i've never wanted a mesh shirt so badly in oh my life. Ooh. oh no i want to just get a mesh shirt listen to the bgs go for a stroll around our subdivision they looked so amazing in those like mesh shirts and the freaking Walkmans. Walking through Beverly Hills. Walking through Beverly Hills. I was like, wow, that's a look. Jim Carrey is an uncredited writer on this. Is he really? Yeah. Is that why they do that kind of shout out to him in the club? Where Mr. Zadir's like, hold on, I have to go say hi to Jim Carrey. Probably. That's kind of fun. It's another one of those subtle jokes. John C. Riley did SNL in 2006. Was Will Ferrell still on in 2006? I kind of don't think so. Well, all Will these... Ferrell started SNL in 1997. Was he one of those people that stayed on for a long time? Like, I mean, he was on for a while, but I don't know if he was on for that long. If only there was some sort of wiki type. Sorry, I'm using IMDb, so that might be why this is taking so long. Maybe you could do it since you know everything. <laughs> I do know everything, but I also need to maintain... <laughs> The impression to listeners that I just know all this stuff off the top of my head. Oh. If people knew that I was actually looking stuff up. Yeah, that's true. Some things I do know. I know way more useless, dumb things than I really should. That's true. No, Will Ferrell was on from 1995 to 2002. Oh, so he wasn't on anymore. He had to have gone back and did something with John C. Riley. I'm sure he did. They were in um, Talladega Nights together. Yeah. So that it could be that maybe that's where they met. Yeah. Also, 
one of the things I like about this is it's Will Ferrell kind of pulled back. Yeah, he did a good job of playing sort of the low-key dumb guy. Yeah. As opposed to the loud dumb guy that yeah. he normally plays. Exactly. Which is, is fun to watch. Also, their hair in this movie is amazing. Like, Will Ferrell's hair is straightened. Yeah. And it's... I wonder if that was his real hair or a wig. I think it was his real hair. I really <laughs> so do. he committed to that haircut, too? Because oh. it's basically like a bowl cut parted down the center and combed down, like, to the sides. And I think it's his real hair because underneath it looks like, especially when it gets a little warmer... It looks like it's curling up, and they just really straightened it up top. So I think it's his real hair. It kind of looks like the uh, rapper that I like, Oliver Tree. (laughs) You know who I mean? The guy with, like, the fanny pack and the, the, like, (laughs) giant suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It does, kind of. Except isn't his combed forward, like, across his forehead? I can't remember. But it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Their hair is great in this movie. I think the two of them together work really well. I would love the band Little Big to remake this movie. That would actually be really funny. The skibbity wop. Skibbity-wop. Go bananas. Go, go bananas. Oh, my God. You know, between singing <laughs> Little Big and... Mm-hmm. Part of the theme song from Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. God. When you said that I'm the more musical of us, Mm -hmm. people are probably like, oh, God, how bad is her her taste? (laughs) Holy shit. No. No, but like you're the one who's like, I mean, you listen to a lot of really good music. Thank you. You're welcome. I was singing Guar Salamonizer to our baby as a lullaby. I know. I was like, can you stop singing that to him? There's so much cursing. After you, like, because you yell at me all the time for how much I curse in front of the baby. Since I was a scum dog, no. I blew a cum wad. I need a motherfucking suck a dick a lick a lot. Yeah, this is what he's singing to our son. I'm Bring like, can you not? I'm singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and he's behind me singing Guar. <sighs> anyway. Did you know it was Guar until I just told you? I didn't know it was Guar. I, you know, <laughs> and this is only, probably only because you're wearing the shirt. I was like, is that Circle Jerks? <laughs> yeah, you, you do have very good taste in music. I used to care a lot about music, and I think I'm I'm much lazier about it now. Like, if someone tries to tell me about a band, I'm like, I'm 37. I don't care. Yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> don't try to tell me about what music I should be listening to. I don't care. I am so into Spotify now, <laughs> finding new bands for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I'm glad that... Like, I'm like... This is how I know I'm boring is I'm like, what true crime podcast can I download? Like, I'm just a real basic white girl. Like, I have Ugg boots. I really like Starbucks cold brew coffee. But like, I really like the nitro cold brew. It's really, it's really choice with just like a touch of sweet cream foam. And I really like true crime podcasts. Yeah, basic. I'm super basic. (laughs) I know it, though. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just like... Real basic bitch. You're my basic bitch. I know. I know who I am, at least. So don't come at me with, like, oh my god, you should listen to this band. They're, like, amazing. They do. I don't fucking care. I do realize that I have to make you listen to more Circle Jerks. <laughs> yeah. You know how you could tell that, that those lyrics weren't Circle Jerks? How? All Circle Jerks lyrics are pretty much just like, I'm angry! Okay. Remember when we saw Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks? We did. Yeah. 
that was such a weird encounter. I feel like this podcast could become a drinking game, like every time I name drop. Yeah, you do drop them a lot. It's okay, yeah. though. But we did, like, we were, where, where were we walking to? Were we walking to home? The restaurant home? I believe so. So it's when we lived in LA, we were walking, there was a restaurant um, yeah, we're going for a Sunday brunch. Yeah, we're going to brunch. And a tiny little hippie looking dude with dreadlocks down to the ground. Yeah. Who stood about five foot four. Yeah. He was like barely taller than I was. Bought the Sunday paper and the ad insert blew down the street. So I ran after them. Yeah. So we stopped helped. to help him pick it up. It was Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks, who I've been a huge fan of since 1990. And <laughs> yeah, but then you guys like kind of chatted but then we were like all right well cool like nice to see you and then we were still walking the same way so it was like yeah i was like uh, everything i wanted to say to you i said while we were waiting for the light to change so we could cross the street yeah like i thought he was gonna go a different way like into the neighborhood but he wasn't like he still had to walk up the street some more and i was like doing any shows this is- yeah we got something coming up at the house of blues brothers uh, I, I don't like going to shows i feel like the oldest guy yeah, tell me about it. So. It kind of reminds me of when we were trapped in the green room of the Steve <laughs> Allen Theater for a porno person's birthday. Oh, God. We were trapped with Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. I don't know. I feel like that was less awkward. Yeah, but. I think he was when just he was like, like. What are you guys doing this weekend? And we were like, oh, you know, probably just staying in grocery shopping. What about you? Taking my daughter to Malibu. Oh, that sounds like fun. No. <laughs> yeah, I think. His daughter is, or at least at the time, was like a teenager, so she like just didn't give a shit. But it was his weekend with her, so he was like, um. "Yeah, Dave Foley was very nice, but he, yeah, yeah, it didn't feel it didn't feel that awkward. Like he just seemed kind of bummed out. <laughs> like he just seemed kind of bummed. I didn't I didn't feel trapped. I was like, well, I think there is a reason that he was bummed out, but we can't talk about it. No, on the I don't want to say that because that would be. Uh, yeah, I think he was just bummed. That would be that would be shitty. I don't want to say yeah. that. So to bring it back to night at the Roxbury, a very young looking Mark McKinney Mark from McKinney, Kids in the Hall, who for a second I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And then you said it. You were like, "God, I can't." Like Mark McKinney's so young, and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's hot. like I." It's so weird to see him without him doing the Glenn voice from Superstore. I have gotten used to that voice. I know. Like, to hear him talk in his regular voice, you're like, wait. Like, it took me a second. I'm like, I know him. What's he in? And then you said it. And I was like, oh, my God. I remember the first time I saw Superstore, like the first episode. Yeah. And Mark McKinney was doing that voice. I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to stick in for this. And now you love it. But it's a pretty decent show. I love that show. Yeah. I'm a little bit behind on it, but... Um, so am I. But I'll sit and watch, like, a few episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. Get caught up. I really like it. Yeah. Oh, and Lonnie Anderson plays their mom. <laughs> yeah, this was the last role that Lonnie Anderson did. Like, she's still alive. I know she's still alive, but, but she, she just doesn't just, act anymore. Yeah. Which I thought, she looked really good. Like She did. If she has had plastic surgery, because the joke in this is they're doing like a party to show off her new chin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like if she has had plastic surgery on her face, it doesn't she's look She's the one person that has good plastic surgery. Yeah. Her face moved. Yeah. And she looked like she moved. did back on WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. She still looked like great. Yeah. And I would imagine I'm sure she still looks 
really good now. Most people in that ballpark, mm-hmm. when they get plastic surgery, they kind of start to look like the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever show you that episode of the TV series, The Middleman, where there was the alien race that all looked like Los Angeles plastic surgery people? I mean, I watched a bunch of episodes of it, but I don't think I saw that episode. Oh, it's so funny. Because all the aliens just kind of look like people in L.A. normally look. It's a real thing, you guys. I mean, I'm sure it's not limited to just L.A. Yeah, I've seen it occasionally here. Yeah. Where you'll see like... uh, an older woman with frozen face. face. Yeah. That's kind of like a Joker smile. And yeah. It looks like Michelle Pfeiffer and Meg Ryan got in a, a bare knuckle fist fight. Yeah. And they kept punching each other in the mouth. I know lip injections have gotten better, but for a while you just looked like a duck. Like they just came out and now they kind of figured out how to do it. So they just look fuller, but promise me you'll never get any plastic surgery. I promise I won't get plastic surgery. Cause I love you just the way you are. Thank you. I love you just the way you are. I think the only way I would really get plastic surgery is if I was in an accident and it was like reconstructive. No. Okay. Anyway, no, <laughs> like describe this disfigurement. Like my nose is smashed and broken or like my jaw breaks uh-huh. or something. All right. Don't be gross. <laughs> you ever see that movie Crash? Not the one about like the racists, but mm-hmm. the one about the car accidents, like the David Cronenberg crash. I no, I didn't see that one. I okay. saw the I saw the racist one. Yeah. The, the one about the racists. Yeah. Yeah. The Sandy Bullock is a racist one. Yeah. yeah, Sandy Bullock is a racist, and so is Ryan Phillippe, but he didn't know it. Cronenberg's crash is about, uh, I, I think, people that get off on car accident wounds. That's really gross. I've never seen it. Cool. So that, <laughs> Are you saying cool because that means it's not eligible for this podcast? Correct. Okay. <laughs> like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, fuck, I might have to watch this movie now. <laughs> Uh, well, I am glad that we watched this. Good. Thank I'm, you for sharing it with me and suggesting welcome. it. Mhm. I'm glad that I'm glad that you enjoyed it cuz I I feel like we had you in particular had a had not a great day earlier, yeah. so. All right, on that note, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. We'll be back again next week with more shenanigans. Yeah, it's it's my turn to pick. Oh, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash you made me watch to talk about the show and movies in general. You made me watch logo by Martin Butler. Follow him on Instagram at Marty Buttons. You made me watch theme song by Thomas Metalheim. To get him to compose your theme song, go to fiverr.com backslash Metalheim. All links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to You Made Me Watch. <laughs>